Hey there, nomads. Welcome to the Gone Nomad Van Life RV Life Podcast. Here's your host, living the step van life himself, and your fellow nomad, Rav Holly. Hey there, nomads. Welcome to the next episode of Gone Nomad, the Van Life Podcast. Uh, I just want to uh, thank you guys for stopping in for uh, this second edition of uh, Gone Nomad. Um, I wanted to talk on this episode a little bit about what it's like being a urban van life dweller, or in my case, an urban step van life dweller. Uh, what's that? What is what that's like uh, being ninety percent of the time in an urban environment instead of out there traveling? from beautiful landscape to beautiful landscape, like so many of the larger YouTube van lifers uh, that get to travel all the time. And like them, myself, I have a job here in Los Angeles is where I dwell 90% of the time. I am here in the City of Angels, and I am working uh, as a freelancer in the entertainment industry as a set production assistant. Uh, And sometimes I actually, uh, if it's a non-union gig, I actually am an assistant director and a lot of times we'll work as a second, second assistant director uh, on uh, indie features and music videos and even some commercials. Uh, but most of the time I'll work on big, bigger budget union stuff as a set production assistant. Like I've been working uh, lately on uh, HBO TV show called Westworld. If you saw my last YouTube video, you, uh, I kind of... Uh, uh, I uh, kind of uh, gave a better description of that. If you haven't seen my YouTube channel, check it out on YouTube. It's called Nomad News, where I try to keep you all all updated on everything that's going on in the Nomad Nation or the Nomad community. Anyway, guys, I just wanted to uh, give my insight to you guys on what it's like uh, for a lot of you. I know you're thinking about getting into the van life. Uh, You're wanting to get into the van life. You're dreaming about the van life, but you're not too sure about it if you're going to be dwelling in the city. And I have, I feel like I have some expertise in that since I'm going on three years of van life now here in Southern California and mainly in Los Angeles. I actually have been between Los Angeles and San Diego. I decided this year I was working down in San Diego doing some gigs down there, so I decided to actually spend some time in San Diego to be able to see what it was like, what's the difference between San Diego and Los Angeles when it comes to van dwelling. And I will say that I, uh, if I had my choice, if I could work in San Diego, I would be in San Diego. I know uh, everybody freaks out because they have some tougher laws in the books when it comes to vehicle dwelling. Uh, it's actually illegal in the city of San Diego. But I can tell you from personal experience, when I was down there, I had absolutely no problems at all. And there were police officers that saw me dwelling in my step van, and uh, they just passed me by and didn't pay me any attention really at all. But they knew I was there. Uh, I will say that uh, I started van life a couple of years there, going on three years ago now. And I had a, originally I had a 1982 Dodge camper van that was a one of a kind camper van. And uh, I lived in that here in Los Angeles for a couple of years. But March of this year, March of 2019, uh, after going to RTR in January and actually seeing my friend Paul Barger's bread truck 
which is a step van is a little bit older step van but after seeing his step van and the way he had his step van built out on the inside I knew that I actually wanted a step van that I could build out for myself and uh, I was came back from RTR a man on a mission looking for a step van that was in my price range that I could pay cash for and that I could buy and move into and luckily for me I uh, looked around and within just not that long uh, RTR was in January and by March March the 5th I believe I actually found my step van listed for sale and my step van is a 2003 Freightliner MT45 and it is a retired snap-on truck for those of you that are not familiar with my story so I now dwell in Los Angeles in a 2003 MT45 retired Freightliner snap-on truck and when it comes to stealth I used to think stealth was pretty much uh, just a myth but I can tell you from experience uh, stealth there is something to stealth if you have the right vehicle that really is stealth I just think most people don't have the right vehicles I see a lot of vehicles here in LA people think they're stealth but they do things that give themselves away one of the main things that people do to give themselves away uh, that ruins their stealthness is they use the reflectix to cover up their windshield and their side windows I don't care what kind of automobile it is when I'm walking down the sidewalk here in LA especially because there's so many vehicle dwellers uh, when I'm walking down the sidewalk and I see a car a sedan a sprinter van a Ford Econoline van uh, it doesn't matter what kind of van when I see the windshield and both or all of the windows, the side windows covered up with Reflectix, I automatically sense that somebody is probably living in that vehicle. And I'm not a police officer, so if I was a police officer, I would definitely probably think somebody was living in that vehicle. So when your Reflectix covering all your windows with the Reflectix, you're kind of giving your stealth away. That's one thing I love about my step van is... I have blackout curtains that hang behind the cab that separate the box from the cab of the truck so I never have to cover up my windshield or my side windows for the cab unless I actually want to and I can still have perfect privacy now I do have a huge RV reflectix um, you know thing for my windshield and if I'm in an area or if I'm at a spot where I'm not worried about being stealth I will definitely use that because it gives me a little bit more added room in my vehicle where my cab where I'm open the cab is open for me to uh, you know move up and you know turn on a radio or do whatever I want to do instead of just having uh, the box which is separated by the blackout curtain so yeah stealth there definitely is something to stealth I mean I park in parking lots overnight I park in mechanic parking lots I've parked in like uh, AutoZone parking lots I've parked in uh, uh, Pet Boys parking lots I've parked in a lot of different parking lots and got away with it and I know that I would not have gotten away with it if I had been in my RV uh, because RVs people here in the or people in in the urban area especially here in Los Angeles if you're in an RV there's so many RV dwellers in the city that people are very prone uh, to keeping an, R keeping an eye on RVs and being suspicious of RVs. 
and automatically thinking you're living in your RV if you're driving an RV in the city. Where it used to before the RV, so many RV before there were so many RV dwellers, back uh, I would say even like 2010, if you saw an RV in Los Angeles, you didn't automatically suspect somebody was living in it. Most of the time, you thought it was somebody from out of town, and it was just tourists that were in Los Angeles just checking out the city. But in the last, uh, you know, the last decade, that has really changed. Now you see an RV, and nine out of ten times when I see an RV, I'm pretty sure that it's somebody that's actually RV dwelling or living in that RV here on the streets of Los Angeles full time. So with my step van truck, I actually really try to keep that on the down low. And I actually tried to do and keep it on the down low in my RV too. And I didn't run into too many problems. Now I did get a few knocks here and there by the police, but uh, usually they were pretty cordial and I uh, never had too many problems. But since I've moved into my step van, I just feel more invisible. I feel like people think it's just a work truck and that uh, I'm just a snap-on guy, and I dress the part. I try to dress, you know, I, I wear like uh, red wing boots during the day, and I even have ordered a snap-on cap, official snap-on cap off of eBay that was brand new. So I just try to look the part so people are confused, you know, even if it's late at night and stuff, people are confused or they're thinking, you know, maybe I'm just uh, returning home. And, and the other thing is I do have Arizona plates, so that throws people off as well. But I can tell you, uh, when it comes to stealth versus non-stealth in the city, I would definitely choose stealth anytime. Now, I know that, uh, you know, there's a very popular YouTuber, uh, Justin Credible on YouTube, and uh, he's got a step van. He moved into his step van just about the same time I moved into mine. And he will be the first one to tell you that there's no such thing as stealth, and he doesn't worry about it, and he doesn't build his rig to be stealth. And... In Vancouver, that definitely may be the case, but here in Los Angeles, the less hassle that you have to deal with, I just think the better. And uh, you definitely can be more stealth. I just think that most people that think they're stealth just aren't near as stealth as they think they are. And like I said, if you're covering all your windows up with Reflectix, your stealth just went right out the window. Because if I walk by your vehicle and it's got Reflectix on the windows, the first thing I do is look at the top of your vehicle. If it's a Sprinter, if it's an Econolon van, if it's a VW Westphalia, I don't care what kind of vehicle it is. If I walk by it and there's Reflectix on the windshield and the two side, your two drivers and passenger side windows are completely covered with Reflectix, I automatically look to the roof to see if there's solar panels and a max air fan or a fantastic fan. And if there are, then I'm pretty certain that somebody's living in that vehicle, especially if there's solar panels. You just gave yourself away. It doesn't matter uh, how stealth you think you are. You're not stealth at all. You're no more stealth than an RV. If you've got, uh, you know, if you've got solar panels and, uh, you know, a max air fan on top of your Sprinter van, bro, you're not stealth at all. The other thing is you'll realize is, you know, when you're out about in the city is you'll see cars all the time with the Reflectix covering the windshield, but they always leave the passenger and the driver's side windows 
they're not covered. They're always not covered unless it's somebody that's dwelling in their vehicle and they want to cover all of their windows for privacy because they're in their vehicle and they don't want people seeing in and seeing them. People that are just pulling over and parking and they want to protect their dash and their interior from the sun are just taking the time to cover up their windshield. They're not taking the time to cover their passenger and their driver's side window. So if you're doing that, you're 100% giving yourself away if you think you're stealthy, you're trying to be stealth. So my advice to you would be come up with a different type of plan, or if you're going to use the Reflectix, use like a dark cloth. Uh, Hobo Alley, who's a YouTuber on uh, YouTube, she has a great video where she took some Reflectix and took some like dark nylon material that kind of looked like pantyhose or something. It was just a sheer fabric. And she sprayed one side of the Reflectix with like a uh, adhesive glue out of a spray can. And then she covered one side of her Reflectix with this dark uh, sheer material. And when she puts her Reflectix in the windows, it just looks like the, the it's dark tint. And that is the kind of thing that you have to do if you want to remain stealth. And that's what I would actually recommend you do if you want to remain stealth. Uh, it's okay to cover your windshield, but once you start covering your side windows up, you automatically give yourself away as a vehicle, full-time vehicle dweller. Uh, so people have all kinds of questions when it comes to living full-time in a van or a step van or an RV in the city. So I just wanted to kind of address a few of the things that I've learned in my time. And the main thing is uh, what I just talked about with the stealth. Uh, the number one question you're probably going to get, or I get is where do you park? How do you find parking? Now, when I first stepped into my RV and, uh, I was out in Joshua tree, which is the country. And I even would have problems finding parking out there because everything was private property. And, you know, there wasn't just a place you could just pull off and just, you know, just park and camp. Uh, and it was the middle of the desert. So, I was a little intimidated once I uh, moseyed on into Los Angeles on how I would find parking. And like everybody, I think I was pretty freaked out about that and trying to figure out how I would be able to find parking on a regular basis. So when I very first started, uh, if you watch, look back at my YouTube channel, when it was still branded as Vagabond Days and I was RV dwelling, you will see that I made some videos uh, where I was parked in Walmart here and around the LA area. And once I hit the road, I think, uh, or once I, I got in my vehicle full-time, my RV full-time, I think like a lot of uh, people that are just getting started, we just immediately, uh, you know, Walmart just feels safe. We think, oh, we can park at a Walmart. Well, I can tell you for a fact that here in Los Angeles, most of the Walmarts are now no overnight parking. You cannot park, but at a, just a few here and there. And most of them are way, way up north around the Santa Clarita area. I would drive up there and, uh, you know, I would commute. That's about 40 or 50 miles from the core of Los Angeles where I work. But at times, like during a weekend when I needed to park uh, for a couple of days, I would literally drive all the way up to the Santa Clarita area. Uh, and I would, I knew a couple of Walmarts up there that I could park in and they would basically just leave me alone for the weekend. So I'd pull in like on a Friday night and I would leave like on Sunday night or Monday morning. 
uh, but I would leave and I wouldn't stay too long. And then there was a couple of Walmarts that were only five or six miles in between each other. So sometimes I would pull into one Walmart and stay a night and then I would leave that Walmart and drive up to the other Walmart and stay in that Walmart. And I ended up doing this on a, uh, on a pretty regular basis for a while. And then I would kind of, I would kind of rotate around the Los Angeles area trying to see if I could park in a Walmart and get away with it. And, uh, nine times out of 10, I could not, uh, I would just pull in and I wouldn't even get set up good. And the security would approach me and tell me that I could not park there overnight if I was setting up to park overnight. So that let me know right away that I was going to have to, uh, be more creative or be more observant when it comes to finding places to park. And the funny thing about that is, is after probably about five months of a full-time RV dwelling here in the Los Angeles area, I really started to like, uh, have a sense for places that I could park and be able to park. So now with my snap snap on truck, I really have no problems finding a place to park overnight. Uh, I do have the one thing that you, I, I will suggest is that you, if you have an Apple iPhone I, and probably on this is on a droid as well with your maps, your Google maps, I would, I would assume now I don't have an Android, so I'm not sh positive of this, but I do know in Apple maps on your iPhone, you can mark a place in Apple maps. So that is what I have. I have a list of about 10 key places in several different areas of the Los Angeles area that stretches all the way down to Orange County that are safe places that I've learned that I can park. Uh, so I really uh, enjoy that list. Now I will say that, you know, uh, some of them are a little bit iffy. Like I had one that I had uh, up in Burbank, California, which uh, was a place that I absolutely loved. It was I believe it was Burbank. It's right on North Hollywood, Burbank uh, area. And it was actually a Costco business center facility or like one of their headquarter facilities uh, or one of their uh, distribution. That's what it is. It's a distribution facility. And it had this little pad, like this little, um, I don't know, it was like a pad for a truck, but it was way out on the outer, outer edges of the facility. So it was like around these trees. It was like a little forest area that was way out on the very perimeter of their parking lot. And I actually made a YouTube video uh, on my Rav Holly channel where I was parked there when I was watching my friend Anna's dog. And I would just pull in there and I wouldn't try not, try not to overstay my, my welcome. So I would try to get out of there really early. I'd pull in really late, get out of there really early. And unfortunately, the last time that I pulled in there, I didn't get my butt up and get on the road by 6 a.m. I kind of, I kind of just, you know, moseyed around and I was lazy and didn't, you know, get myself together and get, you know, get the traveling like I should have, or even just pulled out on the street. You know, I tried to be out of there by 6 a.m. and I wasn't out of there even by 9 a.m. So I, I got up and I started getting around and getting ready to leave. And sure enough, uh, just about the time that I was getting ready to sit down in the driver's seat and get moving, uh, somebody knocked on a, a, one of the one of the uh, directors of the facility knocked on my window and uh, basically told me I could not be parked on the property. And I very cordially said, okay, no problem. Uh, no, didn't mean any harm. It's okay. Uh, I will not park here again. 
and I lost that parking place. So I just immediately erased it out of my phone. And uh, it was a place that I really did enjoy parking because I was way out away from anybody. It was it was private property, but I was out in these trees. And so uh, if I opened up my door, it was just like a forest in front of me. And it was just like a great place to park. But, uh, you know, it's no longer one of my spots. It, uh, I do not park there anymore. Uh, so, you know, that's the kind of thing that you go through. You find spots, you lose spots. But I do have, you know, I have some, I have probably five go-to spots here around the downtown L.A. area that's uh, in the perimeter from from uh, south, south L.A., uh, downtown L.A., all the way to, like, USC. I have a place over right by USC, the college, uh, the University of Southern California. Now, I like it over there. Because around the colleges, especially uh, University of Southern California, everything stays open late. And I'm a night owl, so I usually am up uh, at the, you know, in the middle of the night. Uh, to give you to give you an example, it's 5 o'clock in the morning and I haven't been to bed. So it's 5 o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning and I've been making YouTube videos and now doing this podcast all night long. So it's 5 in the morning and I haven't quite been to bed yet. So when I'm over by USC... Uh, you know, there's a all night restaurant over there. Uh, there's like a little walk up diner or a little a little walk up. You walk up and you can order a burger or you can order tacos or whatever you want, and it's open all night. And I kind of like that area for that reason. Like even the Starbucks and everything's open till twelve and one o'clock, and everything is just open late for the college kids. But that's what I tell everybody. If you're thinking about the van life, uh, you know, you're going to have to give yourself a couple of months. But after a couple of months, you're going to start getting accustomed to it. And, and, you know, it's like anything else, you know, uh, people or humans, we're very adaptable. And you will adapt to van life within a couple of months. You'll be settled in and you'll be comfortable with it. You'll be able to find parking. You'll be able to find a gym. You'll be able to figure things out. You'll put your post office thing and you'll just be able to... Uh, you know, you'll be able to live just like uh, you were living in a house. It'll feel like that. You know, it'll feel very comfortable to you, more or less, probably. It depends on what kind of vehicle you have, I would suppose. If you're living in a little tiny Volkswagen bug where you can't even recline the seat and sleep, I doubt very seriously you're going to be very happy being a, a vehicle dweller. But if you get a decent-sized rig that's got a bed in it, then I think you'll be okay. Now, with my Snap-on truck, it is not built out. I do have a little office, and I have a big leather futon couch in there that turns into a bed. So it's very comfortable sleeping quarters and everything, but I don't have a bathroom in there yet. I don't have all of the things that my RV had. It does have a furnace. Uh, it does have like an inverter, and uh, it does have stuff like that. It's got a great air conditioner, but only the air conditioner runs when the truck is running. So... Uh, you know, it's, it's, but it's, it's not built out like my RV was. I gave up my shower. I gave up my kitchen. I gave up my stove, but all of those things are going to be coming in the future. But I've actually kind of, uh, I'm not going to say I enjoy the fact that I don't have those amenities, but I will say is it's made me feel like what it's really like to be a real van lifer. Um, you know, because I don't have those amenities, and uh, I'm just kind of, uh, you know, winging it until I get them. Now, I will be glad to get them, and it will make life living a lot easier when you are able to cook. Even if I want to cook some ramen noodles in the middle of the night because I'm hungry, which is something I don't do now. Uh, 
you know, I could get like a hot plate or like one of them little single burners, but I'm just kind of waiting till I get everything together and just build out my truck completely. Uh, I will say my other van, if you're in the market for a van, my other van, Bertha, is for sale. And I'm really hot and heavy ready to get rid of this rig. So if you are in the market for a rig yourself, she's a beautiful rig. Uh, go check out my YouTube channel, Vagabond, or it's Nomad News now, but look for the Vagabond Days uh, listed stuff because those videos I took when I was in that when it was in my Dodge camper van. Uh, and she's a beautiful old girl. She's got 400 watts of solar on the roof. She's got a 3,000 watt pure sine wave inverter uh, with four AGM 110, 110, amp, 110 amp hour batteries. Uh, so she's got plenty of solar on her for a single person. And you know, you can keep your phone charged, you can watch TV. You can run the lights all night. Uh, I even run my coffee pot in the mornings to make coffee. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, she's a great rig. And she's a great rig for city dwelling as well because she's all white. She doesn't stick out like a sore thumb like a lot of RVs do that they just scream like a, you know, dirty RVer. If you keep her clean and keep her waxed and keep her shiny, she looks nice and clean. And she's all white, so she kind of blends in with commercial vehicles to an extent. Now, I'm not going to say she blends in 100%, but I've gotten away parking places where I don't think I would have gotten away with it if she had just been like a regular old Tioga, Tioga, or something like that. Just an old regular C-Class RV. Uh, I, I tried to keep her clean and keep her, you know, looking pretty spectacular. Uh, so I didn't draw a lot of uh, negative attention to myself. Like I even used to park her up in the Hollywood Hills in this area that I still park at from time to time. But I used to park my RV up there more than I parked my Snap-on truck. And I felt like I, I feel like I, I feel actually feel like I stick out more when I'm parked in the residential area in the Snap-on truck than I did in the RV. And, uh, yeah, when I would pull up, uh, the place was by Griffith Park, if you're familiar with the Los Angeles area. Uh, it was up in the Hollywood Hills, close to Griffith Park, and I park up there, and I really never had any problems parking up there in my RV, and it's all million-dollar-plus homes that's around that area. Uh, it's uh, it's actually not far from the Hollywood sign. You can actually park. I'd park there, and I could hike up to the Hollywood sign. But I will say... Uh, Living in the urban area now, I wish, I really wish that I could get my YouTube stuff and, uh, you know, get this podcast and get this stuff to a point where I would be making enough money where I could actually travel most of the time instead of having to stay in the, this urban environment and work on a continuous basis. But I think everybody, I think that's everybody's dream, right? Anybody that jumps on the YouTube bandwagon, that's what they're all dreaming of. And I'm just, I'm just like them. I'm no different. Um, I would love to be out on the road traveling. I, uh, I want to get my rig built out to where it's an off-grid uh, castle. I'm hoping I can get about 1,500 watts of solar on the roof. I'm hoping I can get a 3,000-watt pure sine wave inverter. I'm actually looking at doing probably doing a 24-volt system in my Snap-on truck. 
And uh, I just can't wait to get it all built out to where it's a, you know, it's a real little tiny home. I'm hoping to have it somewhat done by the time we get to RTR. But until I sell Bertha, my 1982 Dodge camper van, uh, the funds that uh, I will get from the sale of Bertha, that will go back into the Snap-on truck. So I really need to get that RV sold. So again, if you're in the market for a snap or for a snap if you're in the market for a beautiful old dodge rv that is a one-of-a-kind if you if you like being a one-of-a-kind she is a one-of-a-kind there's not another one on the road like her i've looked and looked and looked and i don't think you will find another one like her i don't think you'll ever pull into any time i was at rtr this last year or this year i'm sorry i was at rtr this year at the beginning of the year and there was an estimated 7,000 rigs out there. There was not another one of mine. There was not another berth out there. Now I was with my friend Sarah, who's driving a beautiful old vintage Dodge American Clipper. And there were two or three other Clippers out there. But as far as a rig like mine, there was not one out there. Now there is a rig that's similar to mine called the Hall GTC. Uh, the fiberglass shell looks a lot the same, but it's not the same rig. They're completely different on the inside. But if you are in the market for, again, if you are in the market for an amazing vehicle uh, to dwell in or to live in. And the other thing about Bertha is she's got dual water tanks, so she holds almost 100 gallons of water. So you can literally stay off grid. And at RTR, like Sarah had to go to town twice and get water. When I didn't have to, I only had to get water one time. One time, the whole time that we were out, I filled up uh, with water at my buddy Noah's, which is where I have Bertha parked, and he is certainly ready to get her out of his driveway. So please, if you need a rig, get a hold of me immediately because I need to get my rig out of his driveway because he's his patience with me and my rig sitting in his driveway <laughs> have come to about the end of it, and I can't say I blame him because of kind of taking advantage of the situation, but uh, it's just because I've, I've been so busy, I just haven't had the time to focus on getting uh, everything together to get Bertha sold. But uh, if you want to uh, come take a look at her, please get a hold of me. If you're in Southern California and want to come take a look at her, please get a hold of me. Let me know. If you are not in Southern California, if you're in Arizona, if you're in Washington, if you're in Oregon, if you are in Nevada, even if you're in Texas, Oklahoma, uh, New Mexico, any of those, Utah, any of those states, uh, if you want to buy Bertha, let me know. If you got cash to buy Bertha, let me know. And uh, uh, once payment is made, or I, or I will drive. If you make the if you make the right deposit, you pay for Bertha. I will drive her to you, and deliver her to you personally. So. I think uh, you can't really beat a deal like that, right? Anyway, guys, uh, I think I'm going to end this episode uh, of Gone Nomad. I hope I've touched on a little bit about uh, what it's like being an urban dweller. I wanted to talk a little bit more, but uh, it's morning time, and uh, this is a garment manufacturing facility, and the people are coming in going to work on a Saturday morning, and they're turning all the machine and the equipment on, and I can hear it in my earphones, uh, so I know you're going to be able to hear it. It's probably pretty annoying, so a lot of compressors and stuff running around here, so even at 5 in the morning, it is literally 5 
8.15 in the morning and the guy just heard the compressors kick on for the dye house next door. So we're going to go ahead and end this uh, episode now. I like to make them about an hour, but I think uh, 30 minutes to an hour. This one's going to be a half hour. So uh, if you have any topics or if you have any questions or if there's anything um, that you would like me to discuss in uh, pre or in upcoming episodes of Gone Nomad, please let me know. Uh, get a hold of me, or you know, go to my YouTube page, uh, Nomad News. Uh, make a comment there because I always read the comments and keep up with the comments. Or you can email me at nomadnews at gmail dot com and uh, ask me there, and uh, we'll I'll be glad to discuss it. I'm looking for topics that you guys are going to be interested in for this podcast. My goal for this podcast is hopefully to get this podcast uh, going on a regular basis. And I want to make it where you guys are driving and you can just listen to it. And it's uh, something that's relevant to what you're interested in. Uh, I know I need to get into a little bit more of the meat and potatoes uh, of uh, van life. But I'm just trying to get this thing started and getting it going. Oh, the compressor just kicked off. Maybe we'll keep going here for a little while. Uh, I don't know if you guys could hear that compressor or not, but it was pretty loud and it was pretty annoying. But I think it kicks on automatically at a certain time because it's been off all night. And it just kicked on here about uh, five, ten minutes ago, I think, if you could hear it kick on. Uh, but anyway, yeah, as far as urban dwelling, I haven't had too many run-ins with the police officers. Uh, they've been pretty, uh, you know, pretty cordial. Since I've been in the Snap-on truck, I had, uh, I was up in Pasadena and Pasadena has a city ordinance where there's no RVs and there's no large vehicles, commercial vehicles to be parked overnight on city streets, especially RVs. They really look at RVs, but I was working on 911 up there and I was parked across the street from our base camp. But once we wrapped, I was tired. It was about 1130 at night and I was parked in a really cool little place in a in a commercial district area. And once all of our crew pulled out and once all the trucks, the working trucks pulled out uh, from our base camp, I looked around and I was like, man, this is the perfect place just to spend the night. So I ended up just, uh, it was, I was on the city street right across from the parking lot that we had our uh, crew parking because I couldn't get my truck into crew parking. It was too big. But once, uh, once everybody left, I just uh, hunkered down in there and decided to go to sleep and I was on my phone, and uh, like I said, I got into my truck probably about 11.30 after getting off work there. And I'm not kidding you, by 12 o'clock, or I went to bed, I went right to bed, and I crawled into bed. And by 12, probably 12, 12, 12, 15, I saw a, I saw a flashlight shining uh, up into the uh, blackout curtain on, my, on the box of my truck. And uh, I, had ha I had earphones in at the time, so I pulled my earphones out and I looked to see what was up because I wasn't sure if it was somebody trying to look around as if they wanted to break in or something like that. That was my, f actually, that was my first inclination is I thought it was somebody that probably wanted to try to break into my truck. But I kind of peeked out because there's kind of a spot that you can peek out that I can peek out without anybody seeing me. So I peeked out and sure enough, it is a Pasadena police officer. And uh, he's looking around and snooping around the truck, trying to figure out if uh, it's somebody that's actually in the truck or if it's just parked. But uh, in these areas where they are oversensitive about RVs and people being parked overnight, 
you do have to try to stay out of those areas because they are very, very uh, proactive, I guess you would say. They really look and they really look at all vehicles if it looks like it's something that somebody might be living in. So this police officer looked around. Uh, fortunately, he got close enough to my uh, motion detectors. I don't have the, I didn't have the alarm set, but if you get close to one of the motion detectors on the outside of the truck, the alarm uh, will start beeping. Uh, the little control panel will start beeping on the inside of the truck, and that's what happened. So I think he thought he was going to set the alarm off. So I think it kind of scared him, and he kind of scurried away. And uh, I kind of watched him, and he drove away. But that kind of put me into, you know, I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep. So I just waited around for, I think, about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, I knew he was gone. And, uh, you know, it was like 1 in the morning, 1.30 in the morning. And everything was really dead. And I just went ahead and packed on up and left Pasadena. And ended up driving about 20 miles to one of my safe spaces, one of my safe spots that I knew I could pull in and just, uh, you know, set up camp and go to sleep and not have to worry about it. So... That's what I did. Uh, so those are the kind of things you are going to have to deal with. But as far as, uh, you know, it's just like anything else. It's, it's you know, once you adapt to it, you know, you'll find places to do your laundry. You'll find places to, uh, you know, to, to park. You'll find places, to, you know, and parking is going to be the most important thing. But, oh, there's the compressor again. Parking is going to be the most important thing. But uh, once you adapt to van life and you really start getting a feel for it honestly parking is not going to be that big a deal it's not going to be that much of a problem you will always be able to find parking uh unless you live in a city like pasadena that's got one of those ordinances that don't let any rvs or uh large commercial vehicles park overnight now the one thing uh if you're here in los angeles or you're in southern california i'm not so sure about san diego i would probably figure San Diego might be close uh, is it might be similar but I didn't have really have any problems in San Diego but what I can can tell you all over the Los Angeles Los Angeles metropolitan area you will get parking tickets it doesn't matter how proactive you are or how alert you are or how much you read the signs or how much you do this or how much you do that you are going to have to budget because you're going to get parking tickets it doesn't matter how hard i try i mean i try so hard not to get parking tickets but parking tickets are just part of life if you're in los angeles now if you were in dallas or houston or new orleans or you know, some of those cities, uh, I don't think you would have a problem with parking tickets. I don't think that's going to be uh, part of your monthly budget. But if you're in one of these West Coast, you know, uh, cities, I would say like for sure Los Angeles, I know for a fact. I would probably say San Francisco is probably just as bad. Probably Seattle, Washington. Now, I'm not sure. I haven't been there. I haven't dwelled there. But I would figure Seattle, Portland. Uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, any of those places that where they have parking Nazi officials, uh, where they're Nazis about parking tickets, you're going to have problems and you're going to get parking tickets. So that's one of the biggest detrimental things about me living in doing the van life. That's the most negative aspect so far of uh, my two and a half years 
of van life here in Los Angeles is parking tickets and the rough roads, how bad the roads are here in Los Angeles. That's those two things in themselves make me want to literally get out of Los Angeles. Uh, they have killed my love affair for LA and I used to be a big fan of Los Angeles, but just having to deal with the parking, uh, not the parking cause parking is not that big a deal, but, uh, street sweeping. They have a thing here in Los Angeles called street sweeping. So you can only park, uh, you know, they have a one day a week where you can't be parked there or, uh, you'll get a ticket for street sweeping. Uh, there's been times when I was tired, I pulled in and I didn't, I didn't think about checking a sign. I just pulled in cause I saw a parking spot that I could fit in. I was like, Oh yeah, that's a great spot. Pull in there and wake up with a street sweeping parking ticket. That's $72. So parking tickets are a way of life, but you will still be able to find free parking and you'll be able to find good places to park. Just don't cover all your windows with the reflectics, though, if you're trying to stay stealth. Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of Gone Nomad. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you will uh, check out my YouTube channel. If you're not familiar with my YouTube channel, Nomad News, if you'd like to uh, stay in the know when it comes to everything in the Nomad Nation, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Nomad News. Anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, until next episode, safe travels. Thanks for listening to the Gone Nomad podcast. Remember, everything you've ever wanted is sitting right on the other side of fear.